time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Hi. I tell you what, I tell you what, let's do. Everybody reach your hands out real quick. Reach your hands out real quick. Woo. I feel stirred. Do you feel stirred? I'm telling you what, I know that man right there and some God is going to do something with this thing. Let's pray that Jesus has his will and his way. We do that with me. Lift up your voice real loud and real strong. Lord Jesus, God, we pray that you would do what you want to do with this deal, this school, this training. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would draw the 12, the 24, and more and more and more and more and more and call them God. Call them to begin something, to spark something, to do something incredible for the kingdom of God, to let this world know that Jesus loves them. God, if there are people in this room right now in the name of Jesus, call them. Call them. Let it be undeniable. Let it be something they can't shake, they can't put away, but chase them down and call them to this thing. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Well, hi, everybody. I am absolutely thrilled at what Jesus is doing over the course of this weekend so far. How about you? Man, it's so wonderful. Let's take a quick, uh, quick view of who we've got here. Let me hear from any of my high school friends that are around, high schoolers. High school, are you here? High school folks, are you around? Good. Okay, I want to know how many junior high folks are around. Okay, now the junior high girls. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, uh, let's, <laughs> it's one of my favorites. Uh, college folks, we got college folks hanging out there. Since you're so mature, what's up? Well, uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Brent Parsley, and, uh, I had the the honor and the privilege of serving this church, the vision of New Life Church and the students of this church for the past 10 years, just about 10 years. And uh, now recently, about a year ago, uh, maybe a little bit over, God started working in my brother Ross's, who was the worship pastor here, started working in his life and stirring some things up and called him to be sent out from New Life to go plant a church somewhere else. At the same time, God was dealing in my heart and moving in me about the same thing. So now, today, I am doing the same things that I have done here for quite a while, but now I'm working with uh, my brother Ross, and we have moved to start a church called One Chapel in a little place that we call Texas. I don't know what to do about this. This is a little bit crazy. Because everywhere I go in Texas, everyone's telling me all these things I need to do and need to be. I'm down in Austin now. Anybody from Austin? Great. See you there. We'll have lunch. Uh, I'm in Austin now, and uh, everywhere I go, everyone's telling me that I got to do this. 
And, and, and I mean, I, I like 80s hair bands as much as the next guy, but I'm just not so into, well, I, I can't quite figure it out. I'm not quite ready to go all the way there yet. But we're loving what Jesus is doing in us. We're loving what's happening. And so we're just down there taking a little bit of what we know from here in the kingdom of God. And we're transplanting. New life has sent us down there. And so Ross and I are on the ground. We're going to launch one chapel in September of this year. And so if you're ever around in Austin, you want to hook up and hang out, give me a call. Love to hang out. All right. I don't believe you. You don't mean it. You're hurting my feelings. Well, a little more, a little more about me. Uh, I've got a smoking hot wife named Maria, and um, she is hot, 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 and I've got, uh, I've got three awesome little kids, Aurora, she's four, Ewan, he's two, and Reese is one, and they're crazy awesome kids. Ewan is my little man, he's my little, he's my little chunk guy, he just, he kind of walks around this big tough guy, just like his dad. Why do you always laugh at that when I do that? Every time I try to look tough on here, you're always laughing. It's not fair to me. It hurts. Please stop it. So anyway, uh, man, we're just really excited about what God is doing in our little family. And uh, it's all kinds of crazy. I've never lived a life of faith like the one I'm living today. But I'll tell you what, my life is all kinds of crazy, and I don't even notice it because Jesus is in the middle of it, and I'm loving everything that he's doing. And today, today, I think that God has called me here to present to you a very simple idea, and just to carry on kind of what we've been talking about already, just to continue in the theme and the flow of what's already been said. So now today, I know, I know that I could stand here and that I could challenge you to work hard, to be a disciple, to die to yourself, to serve Jesus. And, and I think all that's important and true and you need to do that. I know that I could work hard to try to inspire you to be a crazy evangelist and run out and save your campus. I know that I could do all of those types of things, but today I feel like God has called me here to add my voice to what's been said, to just simply say to everyone in this room and everyone that will ever hear this talk, to ask you to ask what's already been proposed to you, that you last, that you last for the kingdom of God and for Jesus Christ, that you finish well. And today... I want to propose to you the simplest of ideas. In fact, as I thought about it and as I kind of worked through it and felt like Jesus was speaking this idea to me, man, I, I, I was like, really? I, is that really the deal? Is that really where we need to go for this session? And I've been convinced over and over and over and over and over again that this is, in fact, what we need to do. As we've had worship times and the love of God has settled in, as I've listened to Pastor David last night and as I listened to Pastor Brady this morning, man, I have become convinced that this simplistic little idea 
is what God's called me here to do with you today. So can we pray one more time? The answer at desperation and the answer for all of our lives for all time to that question should always be yes. Lord Jesus, speak. Please speak through me today. And God, let these guys hear what you want to speak to their hearts. Let there be a correction, a turn. Let there be, a, let there be something miraculous that happens more than a, a sermon. But God, let this be something that lives inside of all of us. Take us further and deeper in this idea, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Last night, Pastor David talked about that verse in John 6, verse 66. He talked about uh, how many people turned away from Jesus. Shared stories about his life and about how his friends from high school and beyond have kind of turned away. My story is the same. I am 35, decrepit years old now. <laughs> Thank you for that. And dude in the back said, And my story is the same, that I have so many friends who just out of high school, they got married and they loved God so much and they, they thought that they were going to do some incredible things for God. They got married right after, they made poor decisions, they never solidified some cores that they needed to and they just kind of fell away and today are not serving God. And it's devastating, it's heart-wrenching, it's horrible. And somewhere along the way, they just didn't get a hold of one Major, core, foundational idea. And David, last night, he talked about how we don't want to spend our time preaching and asking you and drawing you to come to the blessings and the things that God offers, but to just come to who Jesus is. And, and today, I, I would like to present just a, a pathetic attempt to continue that same idea by maybe, maybe hopefully presenting some ideas to you so that your heart will become a little more open, a little more alive to discover and uncover who he is. And I can't do it justice, not even close, because I'm a puny little, I mean, I'm a strong, strapping man. You're not supposed to woo with those kinds of movements. <laughs> so awkward. I'm a puny guy, but you know what? I'm going to give it my all and trust that the Spirit of God is going to do something between my words and your spirit. Because the simple idea that I keep referring to is God loves you. I know, immediately you go, oh, come on, parsley. God loves you? Are you? Is that your title? God loves you? Bro, I went to Sunday school, all right? I know that. I've heard that my whole life. I heard that from my third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, all my Sunday school classes. Heard all of that. Man, I watched the flannel graph presentations. Did any of you ever watch the flannel graph presentations? Weren't they great? Okay, so 
If you don't know what flannel graph is, you know, it's where you have a flannel board and you have a, 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 like a little scene with like water and sand. Typically, that's all it ever really was unless you had like Jericho. And that was like special Sunday. Ooh, Jericho City. And so you had like, usually it was like sea and sand. I don't know why. But, but uh, and you'd get stories told to you. And you would have these little characters that the teacher would take out and they'd stick them on the flannel. And it was so exciting to watch Jesus presenting stories and Peter and Peter walking on the water. So you'd have a little flannel boat and you'd take Peter out and he'd walk and he'd, he'd be so excited to watch him walking. And then he'd like take his eyes off Jesus and he'd lose faith and he'd sink. And so they'd take that one off of Peter walking on the water and they'd take like a half Peter. He was like up to here and they'd put him on and it's like Peter sinking. But to us, it's like, ah, Peter got cut in half. And it was very frightening. But that's, that was the flannel graph deal, but, but we'd listen to those stories. And over and over and over again, our teachers would tell us, God loves you. And you tell me, God loves you. Bro, are you kidding me? Look, I understand. I got it. I'm not convinced. But Brent, I've grown up with veggie tales. And I know what Larry the Cucumber has to say about how much God loves me. You add the voice of Bob the tomato, and I got it. I'm good. I'm good. It's the best. But do you think that maybe that maybe that could be part of our problem? That we just I'll just break it down personally. I know it's part of the problem for me. I've grown up my whole life learning and hearing and it's just been the same thing. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. And there've been seasons of my life where I've kind of said, yep, I know I got it. I got this. I totally got this. God loves me. It makes sense to me. It's no problem. Let's move on. Let's go to the deep things. Listen, I love the deep things too, but I'm not convinced that there really is something deeper than God's love for you. You can get into all the different things and the theology and everything. I I love all that. I love the discussions just as much as you do. I, I love that. It's incredible to dig into the things of God and learn and grow. But what is deeper than God's love for you? I've heard it over and over and over and over again. And I know that for me, I've gone through seasons of saying, yeah, I've just, I've, I've got it. And today I want us to refocus and rekindle and allow God once again to work in us. Because I think sometimes it becomes like, you know, when you say a word over and over and over again, and it just gets weird. Like, like, like purple, 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 purple. Purple, 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 purple. Hey guys, purple. Hey everybody, purple. Is it like the name of your youth group or something? <laughs> purple people usurping really. I don't know. I was gonna give it a shot. I'm not going to. But after a while, you say it over and over and over again, and it kind of loses its meaning. Purple? What is that? At the beginning, you got it. Oh, purple. Ooh, beautiful. Barney. 
I know. I know, Barney. He's so stupid. <laughs> Larry and Bob, I like. Barney, I could kill him. My kids are like, oh, I like this one. And I'm like, no! Singing vegetables, that's where it's at. You people are so weird. (laughs) Who else has like singing vegetables to tell us stories? It's weird. Okay. uh, Today, I, I, I I want to return us. I pray that there be something that could happen in your heart because I just, even though I know it's so simple, I just believe that God wants to do something in many of you to return you and to expand your heart in this idea. So go to Romans chapter 8, verse 31. And in this discussion of life in the spirit and God working in us and doing all kinds of crazy cool stuff and giving us himself to work us through, you get into verse 31. And it says, what then shall we say in response to all of this discussion? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Listen, Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, he didn't stay dead, everybody, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, he quotes Psalms here, for your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But no! Everybody say, no! And that was nice. Except for you, you stink at it, you're way late. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Now right there, everybody goes, oh, yeah! Angel punch, ugh. Yeah, some of you haven't grown up in church. You have no idea what just happened there. But some of you who have been in Pentecostal charismatic churches your whole life, it's really pretty fun. Uh, I'm not going to spend any more time on that. Uh, we are more than conquerors. And we love to say, yes, that's what we are. But, but I told you. I told you you love it. But finish the verse. We are more than conquerors. How are we more than conquerors? Through him who loved us. Through him who loved us. The context here and what's going on is, is not just the, the power that you have. We read, we're more than conquerors. So we can overcome everything and we can take the fight out. We're going to do all this stuff. And yes, that's all true. We're going to do great things for the kingdom of God. And God's going to use us. But the context here is that God has given everything, part of himself, his own son, because he loved and loves us. I think it's interesting the fact that it says that he loved 
us. Because I think it's in reference to this particular act of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us. It doesn't just say he loves us. It says he loved us. He did something to prove it. He gave his own son. And through him who loved us, who proved it through his selfless sacrifice, we are more than conquerors. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing can separate you. Nothing can get in between you. Imagine this big, fat room. All this, what? Imagine this. Imagine this big, fat room. This is like your existence. This is like everything that you know and everywhere that you could travel. In your mind, and your will, and your emotions. This is your whole universe. This is it. Imagine this being the picture. And anywhere that you could go in here, you cannot be separated from God. You cannot be separated from his love. He always is seeking, always is searching. There's nothing that you could do. There's no force. There's nothing that could separate you from him. And that, my friends, is a big, fat, hairy deal. And yes, you can quote me on that. See, I just think that If you miss this, you miss everything. If you miss this, you you miss everything. You miss the foundation. You miss the beginning. You you, you just miss it. Have you ever really just missed it? Just totally missed it? I remember one time in high school, I totally missed it. Because I was was hanging out with this girl and she would tell you I was kind of flirty. I was like, whatever. Oh my gosh. As if. Okay, so I was. And and so we'd we'd hang out and you know, I uh, would just I we'd flirt. We just there's nothing serious, but we'd flirt. I kinda liked her, she kinda liked me, and so uh, we did that for, you know, several weeks and then um but nothing was going on and there's no DTR, there was no uh forward motion, there was no little notes, check this box, or nothing happened. And uh one day her, her brother came to me and said, Hey man, listen, I'm really upset at you because you, you, you're breaking my sister's heart. She hasn't talked to you in a little while. And, you know, since you guys started going out a couple of weeks ago. Whoa! What? Pull him off the stands. And somewhere along the way, I totally missed it. And because I missed it, we'd started going on this path in our friendship that, that caused us to have two different ideas. And she was moving this way, and I totally missed it. And I was way out here, somewhere else, in my own little manly man world. Crazy chick. And some of you identify with that. And some of you identify the other way around. Because you totally missed it the other way. Where you were like, oh my gosh, it's so great. Because we've been going out for like the past like uh, three years. And um, I'm so happy still. And, uh, and oh, here he comes now. Hey, Billy. And he's like, dude, what's her name? 
Some of you have been in that position too, and that's awkward as well. I feel kind of bad for you because really what that means is you're a stalker. But um, <laughs> but it is possible to totally miss some big ideas in your life. And when you miss things like these core ideas, it's like a rudder on a ship, you know? It's like a... It's like if you're just, if you're charting a course and trying to get somewhere and moving forward towards Jesus and trying to do what he's called you to do in your generation and you start to get off a little bit or you kind of miss something, you miss a foundation, you miss a core and your, your rudder, it, it just gets off just a little bit. At first you don't maybe quite notice it. Now you're surrounded by youth pastor and youth group and everybody's here and you come to desperation. And you're like, woo, I love this. And you're doing the whole thing. And maybe it's kind of okay, but as you get farther and farther and farther down your journey, and if you've missed core foundational ideas, like how deep is the love of God for you? You can stray further and further and further and further until you find yourself out here going, I don't even know if I believe anymore. I don't want you to do that. I want you to make a course correction today. I want you to come back. I want you to listen to some crazy guy with a crazy simple talk to just say, God loves you. I I think it's for this reason that that Paul writes in in Ephesians. He prays this prayer. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14, he says, For this reason, this is the prayer for the Ephesians, For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power or ability together with all the saints to grasp, like to get it, to hold on to it, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. To know something that goes beyond what you can actually know. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. And here Paul is praying that you would have, first for the Ephesians and then for us, that you would have power, ability to get it. To grasp the love. And then to know, to know this love. Know what goes beyond your knowing. And I think, I think then it leads into this idea that if you can get that, then if you get the the core, then you can start on the journey to know the full measure. The measure of, of the fullness of God. Read it again. Pray that 
you'd have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled. Know the love, grasp the love that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And isn't that what we want? Isn't that what a generation needs? Isn't that where we are? Is it or is it not? No, it's fine. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. I'll wait. I'll wait till you decide. I am tired. I'm tired of people not lasting and finishing to the end. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of knowing students who in their freshman year are going crazy for God and their senior year are nowhere to be found. I'm sick and tired of it. I'm tired of the enemy convincing people that they don't get it and they can't have it. I'm tired of it. I want to see the measure of the fullness of God in this generation. And I believe... That this verse indicates the way that we start to cultivate that is getting the limitless love of God for us. If you want to know the measure of his fullness, I believe you've got to get to the core idea of his love. The core of his love. And the fact of the matter is, is that we've, we've not always done a good job for you. We haven't always presented it well. You've not always had it modeled for you well. And so it's sent you spiraling off in all these different directions. We've not always defined it for you. Parents haven't always done a great job of taking care of you and loving you the way that you should be taken care of. Pastors have done the same thing to you. I'm sorry that that's the case. But that's why. That's why events like this, moments like this, communities like this, communities like your youth group, your church, your place back home, that's why these are important for you. Because when somebody in your life fails you, God can use that community around you to encourage you, to show you his love. You can't just trust some guy on a stage with everything. You can trust the King of Kings and Lord of Lords with everything. So let's do it for just just a few minutes. Just real quick. Because we've heard it so many times. But right now, God, just speak. Just speak through these three ideas real quick. When you take these three words, God loves you. And you think, okay, God, God. I'd say the concept of God is something that we can argue about, we can philosophize about, and no doubt about it, we certainly have. And let me encourage you with one thing here. I am not speaking of the God that you create in your own mind. I'm not speaking of the God that you, you have uh, kind of born out of your own experiences in your life. Because we do this from time to time, you know. 
We, we, we talk about God in the terms of what our life has spoken to us about who he is. So we've taken like our earthly father and we've kind of transplanted that idea over onto God himself and said, well, my earthly father did this to my mother and my earthly father, he took off on us and this happened and this happened. And so I understand when you say God and you talk about father, I know what he's like. You can't do that. You don't get to define who God is. Let me tell you something. We don't get to create the image of God. He already is. He exists. And guess what? He exists whether you believe in him or not. He's around no matter what. And he is clearly defined. It doesn't matter what your life has said about who he is. It doesn't matter what your experiences have said. God is. He is, and there is only one. Don't let your experiences dictate to you who God is in your life. And here's who he is. This is where I'm going to do just not a great job because there's too much to be said. But I'm going to give it my all. (laughs) I'm not talking about the God that, that, that is the... Is the the blue eyed, uh, brownish blonde Jesus that you walk by in your Sunday school class, and and now he is full of joy and life and love. I mean, that's what we're talking about. But I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about. God. I'm talking about the one who created everything. I'm talking about the one who came from heaven. The one who returned to heaven. The one who will come back from heaven. I'm talking about John 3.13. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven. I'm talking about the God that created everything. Genesis. And there's another great account in Job 26 that we're not going to take the time today to read. But you should write it down and go read it. I'm talking about the God who spoke and things came into existence. I'm I'm talking about the God that said, universe. And there it was. And he said, that's good. I'm just going to tell you right now, that's good. Jesus, you see that? Holy Spirit. Yo. You see that? Yes, I did. I'm you. I mean, you know. It's a theology 101 or half, oh, half, I don't know. Uh, he spoke and it was. He is the one who has always been, always will be. He is I am in Exodus 3. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He knows the beginning from the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the one who came to earth in the form of his son, Jesus. And he performed miracles and he gave his life on a cross. He died for you and me and he didn't stay there, but he rose again. He gave his all. And he's coming back for us one day. He conquered death and hell. He is the victor. He is the one in Colossians 1 that holds everything together in his hands. And it's not hard for him. It's not like, oh, trying to hold this world together. <laughs> Woo, hard work. Holy Spirit, a little to the left. Grab that piece, it's going to fall off. Oh, it's not hard. He holds everything together. 
And you spend any time with David Perkins at all, and in five minutes you're going to hear about the God from Revelation that John saw. Chapter 1, chapter 5, chapter 19. You're going to be all up in this crazy white hair and eyes of fire and double-edged sword out of his mouth and robe dipped in blood and massive tattoo on his thighs saying, King of kings and Lord of lords. This crazy big God where you've heard David over and over and over again say for a million years, you just look at him and go, He's better than me, so I'll leave that. This is the God that I'm talking about. Not the God that you don't, you can't quite seem to figure out. I can't quite get my hands on. Well, no, you can't quite get your hands on him. He's God. He's big. Stop trying to define him. Stop trying to figure him out. You can't define him. In fact, he defined you. And his love is what defines you. Let's talk about the love for just one second. Yeah, come on, guys. His love. I'm not talking about the love that you wonder about or trying to figure out. The love that's been modeled poorly for you. The love that you think doesn't really work because your parents got divorced. And so what you think about love is that it just goes away. I'm talking about the love of God from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's just read it together really quick before we end. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Most of you know this, but read it with me again. Love is patient. Verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. And it always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. And the classic preacher, the classic preacher trick is this. So what we know about God is God is love. So you read it from that vantage point and you say, God is patient. God is kind. He doesn't envy, doesn't boast. He's not proud. He's not rude. He's not self-seeking. He's not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. He doesn't delight in evil. He rejoices with the truth. God always protects. God always trusts. God always hopes. God always perseveres. God never fails. This is God's love for you. But we, but we think of it in terms of, we think of it in terms of, oh man, uh, love. Yeah, I know how love works. It's just an emotion. It's this thing I love. I love me some Jesus and snow cones. I love Jesus and snow cones and Justin Bieber. And all right, good. That was a test. You passed. And, and I used to love Miley Cyrus until she's now like all untamed. And now she's like, but I think of love as something that we fall into. It's like, oh, you fell into love? It's like walking around saying, oh man, I stepped in some love. What's up? I just stepped in love. Great. It's trash. Man, love is selfless sacrifice. And the God that I just described, the one who always has been and always will be, bigger than anything, created everything, came down from heaven, returns to heaven, the one who is omnipotent, the one who is omniscient, he's the one who has given everything to serve you. He never fails you. Are you starting to freak out just a little bit? See, because God, that God, that big, huge God, he loves you.
He's given everything. He has selflessly laid down everything for you. John 15, 13. Greater love is no one that lays down his life for his friends. And love is the, it's the, the choice. We know it is the choice that we make towards a spouse or towards family. Or, for us, that's the way it works. That's not necessarily the way it works with God. God doesn't necessarily choose to love you. It's not really a choice that God makes because he doesn't have to choose it. God is love. He just is. He's selflessly given you everything. And the Bible says that he did it while you were still sinners. So he's given you everything selflessly, sacrifice it all in the hopes that maybe one day you'll come running to him. If you guys don't mind, just start playing real quick. And, and the last thing, of course, is just you. God loves selfless service, loves you. I'm not talking about the you that you'd like to project in the future. I'm not talking about the Facebook you. I'm not talking about that fake or phony you that you try to pretend to be or that you would hope one day would be. Just talking about the you that sits here with your butt in this seat right now. With your past and your issues and all that that entails. With your present and all your questions and doubts and struggles. And your future and all that that holds. That's the you that God loves. This great God, undefinable selflessly giving everything to you in all of your mess and funk. It's bigger than you can imagine. It's bigger than you think. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Lest you start to think that this is one of those talks of come to Jesus to get his love. That's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about Romans 11, the end of Romans 11, the doxology that says from God, through God, and back to God are all things. I'm talking about the core foundational idea of understanding that everything begins in God. If you get his love and get the depth and the breadth and the height, how far reaching and the fact that nothing can separate, you can't get away from it. If you actually can get that, that's where you begin. And then everything that you start to do in your journey in God, it becomes through that knowledge of his great and grand and massive love for you. And then as you work and as you pursue and as you pray and as you share, then it all just goes back to him again. This is not a come and get. This is just a corrective, I hope, word. Let it sink in a little bit more. 
as I've outlined it for you, done my best, trusting that the Spirit of God would breathe on it. I, I know that there are those of you who've been hurt and wounded and messed up because your view of God has been skewed and your idea of love is totally jacked up. And you just need a little course correction today. When I talk about you sitting there in this seat with your past, present, and future, and all the issues that that entails, you kind of go, I just don't know. Today, I know that God has called me here to do the best I can to present something to you, to open up your heart so that maybe you'll respond. So if you know your image is skewed of God himself, of what love is, you've been hurt and wounded and you don't get love, but today you want to get God's love. I want you to be brave and bold and just lift your hand up and say, Brent, I need some correction in my mind and in my heart about what this means. Lift it high. Lift it high. Lift it high. Okay. Yep. Good. Good, 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 good. Okay. And then there's probably the others of you that go, I did grow up in Sunday school and believe it or not, I actually, I really did take Bob and Larry to heart and I love God and I know that God loves me. But man, do I want to live in that revelation every day and do I want to carry it with passion and power to my generation. I want the measure of all the fullness of God. And I want to live with my core deeply rooted and soaked in the love that he has for me. Brent, pray for me. Lift your hand up high. Everybody stand up. just want you to put your hands out like this. No, bag that. I want you just to reach out and grab on to the people that are next to you. Close your eyes. Open up your heart. And let the love of God just sink in. Not my meager attempt to preach about it, but the reality of the weight, the glory, the power, the height, and the depth, and the breadth of His love. Now, Spirit of the living God, do what none of us can do. Make it come alive. Redefine those three words that we've grown up with all of our lives. Redefine them today. Do a core and a foundation settling work in our hearts that we could understand how deep How weighty, how wonderful, 
how far-reaching, how inescapable, how limitless, how far beyond us, and yet so resident inside of us is the love of God for us. In the silence of this moment, God, do what none of us can. Do what only you can do. Reveal it. just to pray for healing for those people that are next to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, bring deliverance and strength to broken hearts. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would restore trust, a trust in the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the God of all things. I pray, God, that there would be a healing work that would take place, that the enemy couldn't steal that the enemy couldn't get in and dig out again. But Father, I pray that there would be a correction made in hearts and minds and souls deep down at a core level to correct love inside of men and women in this room. People who have been taken advantage of. People who have been uh, overwhelmed by bad decisions made by other people. God, in the name of Jesus, correct it. Father, let healing flow all over this room in the powerful name of Jesus. And God, sweep now across this incredible, passionate body of young believers. Cause them to settle into the core idea and live from this day forward in the truth that God loves them. And every time they say it, God loves you, let it carry a weight that the people around them in their generation almost get knocked over by because it lives so strongly in them. It's a real revelatory work of God. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. No matter what, God loves you. Thank you for your continued work this weekend. We ask you just to keep us moving in you. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Everybody agree together by saying, I love you, desperation. Proud of you. Let's keep going. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their stools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.